Thanks. Good morning. It is, we're moving through Advent. My name is Mark Fesmeyer, if you haven't met me. And uh, we are going to, we are going to talk about um, another passage in Isaiah this morning. It, it really encouraged me this week, and I hope that it encourages you. Um, you got, you got pictures for me yet? All right. So talk amongst yourselves while we uh, have technical difficulties. Say hello to someone. Ah, there we go. So we're going to talk about Isaiah 35. We're going to talk about the whole chapter, but it's only 10 verses, so it's not that long. You know, I, I... where are you looking for encouragement these days? Where are you looking? You know, we've got all this kind of stuff coming at us. Um, sometimes it seems crazy. Sometimes it seems scary. It, it's easy, you know, we're, I was searching for something um, on the internet, and you find so many opposing opinions, you know, like, this is awesome, or... This is horrible about the same thing. Like, what do you, who do you believe? And so, in the midst of that, how do we, as followers of Jesus, get our hearts in the right place? Well, I think this passage will help us because it's a prophecy tucked in a great place in Isaiah, and it gives us some pictures of what God is up to. So I hope it encourages you. So this is what I want to do. I want to just read. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I just want to read the chapter to you. So just receive it. You can just kind of close your eyes. Just listen to it, and then I'll pray for us, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay? How's that? This is Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy the glory of lebanon will be given to it the majesty of carmel and sharon they will see the glory of the lord the majesty of our god encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble say to those with anxious heart take courage fear not Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. The scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place grass becomes reeds and rushes. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there nor will any vicious beast go up on it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. 
and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion with everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall find gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Let's pray. Father, these are your words. These are your words through the prophet Isaiah. As we talk about them and think about them, would you minister them to our heart? Help us see you afresh. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, are you feeling exhausted? <laughs> and strengthened? Or, or do you need strengthening? Do you feel feeble? Do you feel anxious? The exhortation here is to fear not. I told you a few weeks ago, I'd read someplace that this is probably the most disobeyed command in the scriptures. <laughs> you know? Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. I confess, that is the one of Jesus' commands I disobey the most. How often is my heart troubled? And yet, we're not supposed to be that way. We don't have to be that way. So whatever we read today is meant to encourage us. See, I think too often we lose sight of what God is doing. And so because of that, we lose perspective. So this chapter is going to help us do that. That's what this is about. And it's tucked in this amazing place in the book of Isaiah because you read before it about prophecies against places where God is going to deal with them. And so you, you, you know that in, as Isaiah is writing, the northern kingdom is going to get taken into captivity by Assyria. And right after this chapter comes this amazing story of Hezekiah and the king of Assyria. It's, 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 you, you need to read it. It's just this amazing story because Assyria's attacked the northern kingdom. They've taken him out, and they come down to Jerusalem, and they say, give up. Like, just come on out and let us take you because we're going to take you because, you know, you guys have just torn down altars to your God, and, you know, he can't help you. None of the other gods can help you, which is a very stupid thing to say to the God of Israel. Like, you can't help. That was really dumb. Well, you have to read what happens, but it's God wins, obviously. But so this passage is tucked between prophecies and that historical account. And it's, it's beautiful. So let's, let's back up and begin. So the wilderness and the desert will be glad and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom. We, we live in a very green part of the country. I've had friends travel here who live out west and they go, it's so green here. Like, it's, it's green. They, they, they're awestruck. Like, we get used to it. We, we just think, well, it's just trees and grass and you know, we don't think anything of it. But if you're not from around here and you live in an arid desert, it's, it's amazing. And so this is a very striking picture. It's a, it's a desert coming to life. It's dry and dusty, and all of a sudden it's lush and 
and green. And that's this picture of rejoicing in joy. It's this picture of things becoming vibrant that look dead or or barren or empty. And what's beautiful here is Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon, they are mentioned in the earlier chapter where judgment happens. And God, is, it's, it's a picture of kind of restoration. Often we think of God's judgment as kind of final, <laughs> like, like <laughs> done. But throughout the scriptures, God's judgment isn't that way. It is for a season to help people wake up and then there's restoration. And so this is this picture of glory being given back and there being restoration. So um, that's how this chapter starts. And then he jumps to, he jumps to, um, okay, I'll go back here. He, he, he says, take courage and fear not because your God will come with vengeance and recompense for God will come, but he will save you. So what I want you to understand here is part of our joy and our delight is, is resting in the fact that God will deal with what needs to be dealt with. So this is what I want. As we think about God's vengeance, this is really important to remember. God says that he's not willing for any to perish. So God is patient. He is long-suffering. He is not quick in his judgment. And so as we think about God's vengeance, let's not be too eager for it. We have to think cautiously about that. God is willing for people to repent of their evil and turn to him. And that's why you see long past times where people do evil things and they're not stomped. They're not wiped out. God also says that vengeance is his. So what does that mean? It's not yours. It's not mine. We have to be really careful of our thoughts. Let's think twice about those that we see as our enemies because God loves them and he made them and he wants them to be restored to him. So don't think of God's slowness about some things as him being uncaring. He is patient and wanting people to turn to him. But don't make any mistake, there is a time of vengeance. There comes a time when it's done. There comes a time when there will be people permanently separated from the presence of God. That's coming. So let's not be quick about it, let's not be impatient for it, but let's trust that it's coming. And that's a part of what this passage is supposed to help us do, is to remember it's coming, but what God has intended is really good. So as we keep going, what we say next is, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. There's that picture again, this picture of lush and green and beautiful. 
So when you think of the lame walking and the blind seeing, what is, who, who, who does that make you think of? This is, that, this is the time where that Sunday school answer is appropriate. Say it again. Jesus, yeah. So when, remember when John the Baptist, he's in prison and he's thinking, are you the guy? Like he, it, it, they weren't, he didn't fit their expectations. Are you the guy? And what, is, what does Jesus say? He talks about the blind seeing and the deaf hearing. This is, this is what God does when he shows up. There's healing that comes. There's, there's beauty that comes. There's presence that comes. And so, yeah, the lame are going to start leaping like a deer. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And then, again, we go back to that water imagery of, of flowing in a desert place. So when Kathy and I went to Israel, we you know, were on a tour, and we went to En Gedi. And En Gedi is the place where David hid from Saul, and it's really, really rocky. Like, you could find, like, like this would be a cool place to play hide-and-seek because there's, like, you know, bazillions of places that you could hide. But there's a waterfall there, and it's like a park. And so we're in this park, and we're there, and there's a lot of people there. And there were some school children that were there, and our tour guide, he didn't, you know, like, make a big deal of it, but those of us who were near him, he translated what the kids were saying to each other. They were looking at us and saying, why are those, why are they here? They have waterfalls of their own. Why aren't they looking at their waterfalls? These are our waterfalls. Like, and, and what I had to laugh at was, well, not laugh, but just observe was, we have bigger waterfalls in driving distance from us than that. And there, there's no crowd at any of those waterfalls. You know, there are people who go look at them, but it was really small. It was not a huge waterfall, but it was massive for that part of the, because of the region that it was in. They don't have big waterfalls, again. So all of this imagery of, of water, all of these pictures of rain, you and I don't have an understanding of it. We get too much rain sometimes. They don't. And so this is the beautiful picture of God restoring and refreshing and growing and, and making beauty. Then the scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals, its resting place. So I got puzzled with this because I kept reading in the commentaries about mirages and I'm thinking, there's no word mirage here. Like, why are they talking about mirages? And so, I, I, as I was thinking about it, I realized when it's talking about the scorched land, have you ever been in the desert and you see the heat wave? See, there's a heat wave, or that you see it over the surface, and it looks like water. It's a mirage. So that's why they're talking about it. So what the picture here is, this place that it normally would be dead and just kind of dry and, and heat-saturated, it's now Lush. Again, this is the picture of what God wants to do for us, for creation. He wants to restore it. And then it says, a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. So all through this, we need to think about what God is doing. And I said, oftentimes, his judgment is not permanent. It is corrective. It is meant to restore. 
And so if you think about what happened for the Jewish people in being taken to Babylon, they had struggled with idolatry. That's why the northern kingdom was taken away. The southern kingdom was, had, some, had some good kings and they, they kind of worshiped God. And well, you have, you have some beauty there, but they also fell into idolatry and they were taken into captivity. They didn't struggle with that when they came back. You don't see it prevalent in, this, in the nation when they returned. Now, to be sure, they had consequences because they, they were ruled and overled by, you had uh, Babylon and then you had Persia and then you had Greece and you had Rome. There were consequences for their sin, but God was restoring. And so here's this picture of return. Here's this picture of God making a way. There is a highway. There is a roadway, a path. Now, when you hear the word way, again, what do you think of? What, is, what, is, what does Jesus say of himself? I am the, the way. And so you have this highway, this highway of holiness. I... I do not have a history of thinking fondly of the word holiness. Growing up as a kid, it was not an attractive, it was not an attractive word because I pictured holiness as people singing hymns like dirges, you know, that was church, you know, we, we, that's holiness and it didn't seem very fun and it certainly didn't seem attractive, it seemed barren, and unfortunately, that's a very bad, I mean, it's a bad picture of holiness. If you go to Isaiah 6, you get a better picture of holiness. It's the presence of God on the throne, and if you see that, you do not think boring. <laughs> you do not think uh, dull. You, you see purity and intensity and beauty beyond anything that you have ever seen. So this is that kind of highway. It's a highway of holiness. And God says to us that the unclean won't travel on it. And, and how do we get clean? Like, this, this is not something where you have to clean yourself up to get on it. You can't clean yourself up. This obviously pictures the work that God does for us. We are cleansed by what Jesus has done for us. And it will be for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. This is not that there's some kind of force field that fools can't get on it. It's fools don't even want to get on it. They don't look for this way. They're not seeking a way back to God. They don't search for this kind of thing. So the people who are on this path are people who are seeking God. And Fools don't wander on it. And then we get another picture of no lion will be there, nor will any vicious beast go up on it. We don't worry about traveling around like you're going to you know, go to Home Depot and meet a lion on the way. That's not part of our experience. But if you think about Israel at that time, and you think about stories like Samson and that kind of thing, it was not impossible. It was not unknown to encounter some kind of beast in your travels that might harm you. And so this imagery again has to do with the fact that this is a way where you don't have to worry, like you're on this way, you're not going to get taken out. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there, the ransomed of the Lord will return. Again, there's that picture of God doing something for us. 
That's a theme throughout the Old Testament. Israel was redeemed. They were slaves in Egypt. They were redeemed. They were ransomed. They were purchased out. And God purchases those that were enslaved in Babylon. He purchased them, brings them back. And so there's this picture of a return. And they come with joyful shouting. So our theme today in Advent is joy. And that's what God wants for us, is joy. Jesus said, my joy, I give you. God wants us to experience joy. Joy and gladness with sorrow and sighing fleeing away. Can you handle, can you handle everlasting joy? Uh, Truth be told, sometimes I like being grumpy. I don't know if you're like that. Sometimes I do. We don't have to be. What God intends for us is joy. This is about his restoration of everything. He wants to remove from his world all of the consequences of evil. All of the things that sin has brought with it, disease, destruction, anger, hate. Evil doesn't win. And so as we walk this path with him, we find ahead of us everlasting joy. That's what God wants for us. We can't forget any time we look around us and don't see that and realize that there's brokenness and there's evil and there's destruction, we have to remember God isn't done. And when it's done, this part of the story, this is what's ahead. Everlasting joy and sighing and sorrow flee. They're gone. They are no more. So, Here's some takeaways. First of all, it's easy. It is easy to be frightened, discouraged, and weary. Do not beat yourself up. If you've been discouraged, or if you've been challenged, or if you've been wearied in the past few years, that's pretty common. That's why Isaiah says, say this. Say this to the anxious, to the weary, and the exhausted. You're in good company. Remember, a longing for vengeance is not a good thing. It can lead you to improper responses. Let's just say it this way. Your anger does not accomplish the wrath of God. God can be trusted with wrath I can't. So leave that to him because he has a plan. Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. Why? Because we want them to find Jesus and we want them to become friends. We want them to become friends of Jesus. But vengeance is coming. There is an end to all of what's evil. And then the real story 
There is a real story that hasn't begun. We're still in the introduction. Remember the end of the book. It says first things are done. We're still in the introduction to the real story that you and I all get to be a part of, which is why it's good for us to be walking with Jesus now to prepare for that, for the real story is yet ahead. Healing is coming, and God has made a way. So, I just want to leave you with this picture. Are you on the path? Are you walking this path of holiness? Are you seeking to know Jesus? Are you seeking to know the power of his resurrection in your life? Are you seeking to be transformed? Heaven is is amazing. Like what God has ahead for us is amazing. And the culture of heaven are all the things that Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. Are you prepared to live in immense truthfulness? Are you prepared to live fearlessly because perfect love casts out fear? Are you ready for that? All of the stories Jesus told about the landowners going away and leaving things with his servants, that's supposed to be us. We're getting ready. We are in preparation. We are in preparation for eternity. And there's a road, and you walk it with Jesus. Are you on the road? Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for these beautiful pictures that stir us to recognize that everything around us that makes us just cry out, come Lord Jesus, that you will come and you will restore and you will make things new and right and perfect. Lord, help us be busy with the things that you give us to do in this moment, in this time. Help us to be faithful and walk with you on this pathway as you restore as you accomplish what only you can. Give us eyes to see what you are doing and to join you in it, we pray. Amen.